This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, a part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. Wherever you are listening to us, whenever you are listening to us, we hope you are well. In case you were wondering... That opening song, in case you're wondering what band that is, you're like, man, I kind of like that riff. I kind of like that song. That is by a band called Rival Sons. They have a new album out called uh, Feral Roots. It is amazing. If you like that kind of music, I cannot recommend it enough. Americans are 40. (laughs) Would it be on Casey Kasem? From Hollywood, I'm Casey Kasem. You know that guy had a Hall of Fame career from just counting back down or counting down from 40. And then he ended up being a perv, right? No, he was uh, deal? Yeah, he, he was. Beat, he beat someone up or something. No, no he was angry. That's he, right. He had that on-air tirade. Yeah, that they caught. something and, about like the long-distance that's dedication, right. that's an right. upbeat song, and then going into a sad long-distance uh, dedication. All these terrible celebrities are blending into one. I just I used to naturally listen. assume we're up to our long-distance dedication. There we go. And this one is yeah. about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio, and here's what he writes: Dear kids. Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll mean a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's come start again. From coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? Please. See, when you come out of those up-tempo goddamn numbers, man, it's impossible to make those transitions. And then you got to go into somebody dying. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do it for, but goddamn it, if we can't come out of a slow record, I don't understand it. Is Don on the phone? Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a fucking up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. Now, make it, and I also want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. It's a god, last goddamn time. I want somebody to use his fucking brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is, uh, that, that's up-tempo, and I got to talk about a fucking dog dying. I mean, it's not wrong. That's got to be He's, hard as Oh, hell. yeah. It's got to be. How, I don't know how you make that transition. I wonder what the song was right before it. That's what I want to know, too. I've always wondered. What year was this? Oh, I have no idea. Because no he did that forever, he did. And a, a lot of the, or another thing that people don't know about him, he was the voice of Shaggy. That's right. And all those Scooby Doo cartoons. Yep. And then actually, one of one of the guys that I always uh, liked growing up, um, he was on Hollywood Squares and would fill in for Casey Kasem. And he was Shadow Shadow Stevens. Stevens. Yes. Shadow yeah. Stevens. Because Howard Stern talked about in his book one time, he had to fill in for Shadow Stevens. Yeah. Because they wanted like another radio guy. Because Shadow Stevens was a radio guy. Right. Yeah. So you know, he goes like, I can just imagine all these women tuning into Hollywood Squares. To and there's see, Howard Stern to see Hunky Beefcake Shadow Stevens, and here it is, America's Nightmare, Howard Stern. <laughs> you guys remember the Bob and Tom show? Yeah. Yes. They were. I didn't care. Really care for them too much. They kind of left their own jokes. You love his plain speaking, straight shooting, <laughs> no nonsense approach to solving callers' problems. It's making you fun of that. Of what we nationally syndicated to. talk show every day to hear the wise, insighted, savvy advice he gives to his callers. You see, caller, what you got there is a can opener. You use it to open cans. A can opener. Huh. I never made the connection. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Obvious. You're a lifesaver. Yeah, that's what I'm here for, caller. 
He's Mr. Obvious, America's favorite answer man. There's not a situation that he can't handle with his sage-like wisdom and his quick-draw wit. Well, waste not, want not, caller. And now, Bob and Tom Productions is proud to present a side of Mr. Obvious you never heard before. Ah, oh, sh**. I hit my head. <laughs> Damn, that's smart. I remember why I hated this show is because yeah, they was, laugh the entire day. The, the entire time. time. The they can't, can't laughter. They yeah. can't let something just sit. And it's and it's Bob's cackle. Yes. And it's laughing at their own stuff. I'm guilty of it too. Yeah. They used to be I'll laugh, but they, this had, they actually used to be pretty big at this market. They were on KC for a yeah, long time. They were time. number one for a long yeah. time. I yep. mean they were having like specials at the pageant and everything oh, yeah. else. So they were they were pretty big. Speaking of big, no one is bigger than Howard Balzer when it comes to professional football. Mm. He'll be joining us on the phone a little bit later. Fresh, uh, off, a, fresh off a trip to, to the ATL. To the ATL. Super Bowl L33 for or L11. Super Bore L33. And then <laughs> he's. On that board? Oh my God, I was incredibly bored. And he's also a part of the Alliance of American Football, which is getting ready to start this weekend as well, too. He's involved with that, so he'll be talking about that. Um, so, yeah, you, I, I've already said my thoughts about the Super Bowl. I was bored out of my mind. 13-3 um, to 3 was the final. The only funny thing, and the commercials were okay. The halftime show was okay. The best thing about the Super Bowl was all the snark on Twitter. Yeah. From people who were like dissatisfied with the Super Bowl, like one of the funny things was getting ready to go in the halftime. It was Maroon Five, New England Three, Los Angeles Zero. Yeah, I like that. I saw a lot of those tweets. That I thought that was one. that was funny. Yeah. Um, you had Adam Levine taking off his shirt and making all of us feel fat and inadequate. Yes, and pretty much. There was one. It was a, that cartoon Rick and Morty. It was a kid. I think his name is Morty. Yeah. And it was like you know everybody this sucks. And then it was a picture of Morty pulling up his shirt and he was supposed to be. <laughs> Adam Levine, I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah. Other than that, the Super Bowl, not good. Lowest rated one in uh, 10 years. Uh, did not have a very good rating in the city of Los Angeles, which no. people I think are making, in my opinion, a little bit too big of a deal about. Like, right. Okay, like the rating was like over 40. Mm-hmm. That is lower than what it has been. Right. That is a monster rating for everything right. else. Because it's still the Super Bowl. It's still the Super Bowl. Yeah. Any show on TV would would probably kill their firstborn for right. a 40 rating. Right. So, I mean, when people are going to be going, oh, my God, the, you know, the NFL is in trouble with the, because the ratings are low. They weren't low. They're just 10-year low. low. They're co- still high. Low compared to the high. Yes, there was still 100 million people that watched that game on Sunday. Yeah. I I thought the game sucked. I mean, overall from yes. just uh, point scoring, and especially after the year that we saw just offensive take off, it was just an anomaly almost <laughs> to have a – defensive shutout like that especially the rams offense all you yeah. heard was how this is the the second coming of the greatest show on turf yeah the greatest show on turf would not would have walked out of that super bowl i'm not saying they would have won but they would have scored more than three points yeah and their best player would have played the entire game that too i still have no idea what happened to todd Gurley. I mean, many people were wondering if jeff fisher had taken over the head coaching duties <laughs> again for the super bowl that looked like some seven and nine bullshit yes it that did. was some seven and nine bullshit it was really bad uh, i saw a lot of people on twitter shout out to matt Rocchio for saying that, hey, at least the last touchdown that was scored by the Rams team in a Super Bowl was still the St. Louis Rams. That's right, still the St. Louis Rams. And that was either Matt Rocchio or Nick Hand. One of those two said it. It might have been Nick Hand. Either way, so that was true. So you start reading stuff like that, you're kind of feeling a little bit better. It was, I mean... I'm a petty person. I was happy to see Stan Kroenke not win. Right. I think you've made that abundantly clear. I have. Abundantly clear. (laughs) Um... And be like, I've had some people tell me that they enjoyed it because every play mattered, every yard mattered. Right. 
I get that. And I, that's kind of why I enjoyed it, too. But, like... I enjoyed I mean, the football aspect of it. I was just, like, purely for entertainment purposes, just for uh, a spectator. Like, I wanted New England to win, but I wasn't, like, cheering every single time they made a completion or right. anything like that. I just sat there and watched the game. Yeah. And as far as that goes, it was, I mean, if it was anything other than the Super Bowl, you would have turned that game off and done something else a long time ago. And the over was 52 and a half on the game. Yeah. Oh, they lowered it then because at one point, I think it was 56 and a half. So the one I saw was fifty two and a half. Okay, so I mean it and, was and, it was and up the, there. The over was being heavily bet. Yeah. By the public, the sharps had the under. Mm. Sharps were the sharps for the reason. That's why they're sharps. That's, that's, why, they're sharps. Why, they're, that's why they're sharp. Um, another thing too with that with that Super Bowl, Tom Brady. Like you now, everybody's like, okay, he's got six. He's the he's the goat because he's got that sixth one. Mm-hmm. Yes, he got it. He got his sixth one. But let's say you had no idea about Tom Brady's other accomplishments, and you mm-hmm. watched that game. He was a terrible quarterback in that game. He, he, he was not good. He was not sharp at all. He was underthrowing. He was behind receivers. Mm-hmm. He was not good. Yeah, I mean, from a numbers standpoint, he did not have a good game and on paper. Definitely not a great game at all. But you saw the one thing that Tom Brady does know how to do, and that's win. When it absolutely counted, when he, he needed to make that throw, he sucked it up and made a throw. That throw to Gronk before the touchdown run right. by Sony Michelle yep. was a beautiful throw. You yep. cannot question that. And that's the difference between Tom Brady and the rest of the league. And that's why, to me, he is the GOAT. And he understands that even when you don't have great offensive performances, you can still put your team on, the, on your back and lead them to victory. And he did that, and you saw that. Um, a little surprised that no defensive players on the Patriots received uh, Super Bowl MVP votes. Not a single one. No, because it was such a low scoring. Like if if they had really put it on them, you know, if it was like thirty five to three or thirty five to ten or something, I could definitely see that. You know, from it, it just a complete domination. But it was just a piss poor game all around, and you have to you know award the one player who statistically stood out. And that was Edelman. And, right. And and now what the funny thing is, is that. Suddenly, Edelman is you know this world class receiver, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Did you like, see Albright? Are, he like, has thirty touchdowns smoking? in his career. Thirty. All, yeah. That's it. Albright has been on a kick. Benjamin Albright. Yes, one of he our, is. One of our awesome guests that we've had on. Friend of the show. <laughs> friend of the show. Friend of the program. FOS. Um, yeah, he's been having that argument all week, and just all coming week. back with statistics like, no, Wes Welker was even a better receiver. Yeah. than you know, Edelman. Michael Crabtree is and a Wes better Welker receiver. Is not even my first, you know, a first ballot Hall of Famer by any means. Statistically, Michael Crabtree is a better receiver right. than what Julian Edelman right. is, and he's, but been, the pe- the he's pe- been the benefactor, been playing with one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. And I mean, the people like other than Adam Schefter. Right. That I saw the first one I tweeted out. I saw was Adam Schefter. I'm right. like, what is he drinking? Yeah, that's a hot take. Very hot take. I mean, you know, what's all the the chowder heads in New England who were pushing this for oh, chowder for sure. heads for sure. You know, did you see, did you see them at the parade uh, yesterday? They had like a little bit of a, of a mini brawl where they're beating the hell out of each other. I'm, I'm like, shocked. You, you guys won the Super Bowl. You remember yeah. that, right? Well, like, ten, like if if you think about it from ten years from now, are you going to remember Julian Edelman? Probably not as much I mean, as you, you remember even players on his own team. You're not going to remember Julian Edelman more than you'll remember Rob Gronkowski I mean, like, yeah, or Tom Brady. There's, you know? there's two Hall of Fame players that are on that Patriots team. Mm-hmm. You name them both. Tom Brady right. and Rob Gronkowski. Right. You know, does Stefan Gilmore get there one day? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know. Who you remember from the Cowboys dynasty. You remember Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, and Emmett Smith. You do, and there were. I mean, there were, and Leon Lett for his ice bowl. You know, for the he fumbled the Thanksgiving Day game. He fumbled it in the ice, but there was, you know, 
the the backup cast of characters who were probably very integral in them you know, winning championships. Well, there'd be like there was a, there was a couple of offensive linemen from those teams that yeah. are in, they're in the they hall were of complete. Fame. I mean, they were complete teams. Absolutely, both offensively yeah. and defensively. Um, that NFL commercial for the oh, 100th yeah. anniversary. Yeah, that one was my favorite commercial. Yep. And you know that scene where Tom Brady goes to Baker Mayfield and says, here, hold these, and gives them all five of his Super Bowl rings because he's going to go after the ball. You know that everybody in New England at that time had a massive erection. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like I, that, that, that commercial right there cured all of ED in all of New England. I, I really enjoyed it from uh, just kind of a uh, passing of the torch, so to say. Yeah, I more, did too. I, I didn't look at it as like – I looked at it as like, okay, Brady's coming back for more, but I looked at it more so as just – Brady recognizing that, you know, Baker's the next great, you know, quarterback. Absolutely. And it was fun just to see, like, all the old players in yeah. there. And as soon as that ball got on the, the fumble, was yeah, funny. you're like, okay, you know, someone's going to yell fumble. Right. And then the look on Singletary's face when he screamed fumble was, yeah. was pretty funny. The uh, Urlacher with hair. That's a weird. It is so I, weird. I had to double take because I wasn't sure I didn't who, who it was. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know who it was right away. And then he, you know, they got up from the pile. I was like, oh crap, that's Brian. I thought he shaved his head because he was like me and he was just bald. Right. He just he just shaved it for some reason and it then to be awesome. Yeah, I guess to be tough, be a hard ass. And then, um, you know, I figured I don't have to be a hard ass anymore. Let the hair grow, and he's yeah. letting it grow. He's doing. Uh, what broadcast is he on now? I don't think he's on any broadcast. I thought he was on a broadcast. What did you guys think of Tony Romo? Oh, I mean, it's he was he great as yeah. as he normally was. At this point, it's just not even. I mean, nothing really shocks me anymore. I will say that it wasn't to the level it was in the uh, AFC Championship. No, it's because of lack of scoring. I it think. was a lack of scoring. Yeah, there's yeah. that, and I think maybe there were probably some people who were kind of like, "Hey, you're kind of ruining it for other people because yeah. you're, you know." You're the magician, and we're watching a magic act, and you're saying, "Hey, look, look, there's gonna be a mirror there. Right. Look, he's palming it. Right. You know, you're kind of ruining it for some people by spoiling right. what's happening. So maybe dial that back a little bit. So that, that could I don't think he should dial it back at all. Oh, I, mean, I don't I think it. he should be either. But I can understand why people were that, that didn't enjoy that. I'll tell you what, the part I'll remember it specifically is that last Rams drive when they were coming down. Uh, it was ten to yeah, ten to three. No, thirteen to three at that point. And um, they come, they were coming down the field, and the whole time he's saying they're going to set up for a field goal. They're going to go for the field yeah. goal yeah. and try to get the onside kick. And it's like it's a pretty easy explanation, but you wouldn't even think that because like, you're so caught up in the moment. You're like, let's get a score, let's get a score. But he's ten plays ahead of you. And there are probably some people who like maybe were at a bar someplace and they were they had the game on mute, right? And saw the Rams going for a field goal there towards the end, right. and screaming at the TV, "Why are you guys going exactly. for the field goal? You're yeah. down by you know." You guys are down by uh, 10. You're, right. Why are you kicking the field goal yeah. now? My favorite part was at, to- make total sense. Yeah. at the beginning of the broadcast. Hello, friends. I'd like to welcome Tony Romo to the Super Bowl. <laughs> he says, Jim, I've been waiting my whole life to for someone to welcome me to the Super Bowl. That was a good- Tony Romo's got a, a pretty good sense of humor about himself. I think he so doesn't, too. and I, I like him because he doesn't take himself too seriously. He doesn't. And I, so- hope, I hope that that evolves throughout other NFL broadcasts I because... Think- it's so refreshing. The self-deprecation. It, it, he'll, you know, he'll make the comments like, you know, oh Brady th- is going to throw this out route. Like he could, you know, he does it ten times better than I ever. I really enjoy that because it humanizes it a little bit. Because I think people get so caught up in these Robotronic broadcasters who have no idea what they're talking. And it's about. like Doug Vaughn with Doug Unplugged on KMOV here in St. Louis. Uh, he he's a sportscaster, but he does kind of just does these little rants in, in his radio character, and he. 
it's it's very making fun of himself and making fun of very the news. Very much so. That, yeah. You know, very very lighthearted, and it's 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 again very refreshing. It is. Doug Vaughn has blocked me on Twitter. Oh. oh no! I never and I never tweet at him, but apparently he doesn't like the things I have to say about our commander in chief. Um, oh, I don't know, maybe that's what he, yeah, that could be it. I don't know if I've told this story before about Tony Romo, but this was years ago. Um, in New York City, you can't smoke inside anywhere. Right, you have to smoke outside. And my buddy who lives there at the time when he was a smoker, he was outside smoking and he was just, you know, smoking a cigarette, looking around and he hears this guy on the phone behind him go, she's got the greatest tits in the world, but she's dumb as hell and I can't take it anymore. And he turned around and it was Tony Romo. And it was at the time that Tony Romo was going out with Jessica Simpson. Oh, God. So he kind of looked at my friend and put his hand over the phone and kind of went like, you know, and said, it's true. (laughs) So my friend finishes a cigarette and comes back inside. This was like at a party or something, or, yeah. or like it was like late at night. Yeah. And I'm like half asleep, and he's calling me. And I'm like, okay, if he's calling me, something big is happening. He's like, dude, you're never going to believe what just happened. And I'm like, just tell me. Like, you, you do this to me all the time. Because he was bartending at this um, seafood and steak restaurant that was close to the Broadway district. Okay. And he had different celebrities that would come in, and he would send me texts. Dude, guess who's here? I'm like, just tell me. Don't. I'm not going to guess. Just tell me who's there. Can I get initials, please? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, he told me what happened with Tony Romo, and I was just, I just laughed myself to sleep. I just thought that was hysterical. That is hilarious. She's got, the, she, she's got the greatest tits. She's got the, the greatest tits in the world, but she's dumb as hell, and I can't take it anymore. I was really liking Tony. <laughs> Until until that, well, I mean, I, wouldn't you say that's a pretty accurate description of Jessica Simpson? But you didn't know the chicken, that chicken of the sea was tuna fish. Yeah, she, she thought it was chicken. She had her moments. I mean, I don't know her. Did she come across as being very? She like, does not come across in public as she, being. She's not going to be on the panel on Meet the Press anytime she soon. She's a huge no. rack. <laughs> she's a beautiful girl. Beautiful girl. Huge beautiful rack. Girl. Yes, very much so. I just like watching Clay squirm whenever we do this. Why? Why does it bother it's you so much? Cre- it's creepy. How is it creepy? Why? It's just creepy. It creeps me out. It creeps you Talk out. Talking about girls' boobs? It's it's not maybe creepy is not the right word. Uh I don't know. I just I mean she sometimes she pretty much has them on display. I know that. That's, Clay Clay must be a gay. <laughs> I don't think he's that. No, I know he's not a gay. But I don't understand. I don't think it's creepy. Yeah, I don't think it's creepy either. Perception is uh, in the eye of the beholder, I guess. Okay, I'll tell you this. If we're being creepy, I'm sure that Tara will let me know that I'm being creepy. I'm sure she whenever will, this, Whatever this post, I will, I will get at it on Twitter, and she will let me know if I'm being creepy. Please do. Tara, let me know if I'm being creepy, too. <laughs> yeah, at, Tara, e- at Emo6. I am O6. Tara, you have our permission. You are now the podcast auditor. Congratulations. Uh, Anytime it's a non-paying pay- position, by the way. Yes, it is a non-paying position. You're going to be paid just in... Uh, prestige of being the the auditor of the Last Man Up podcast. So anytime that we are out Keep of us line, in check. yes, you are in charge of keeping us in check. If we're creepy, please let us know. And let us know if Clay's gay. Yeah. <laughs> Fresh from Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, Georgia. Howard Balzer is joining us on the phone right now. You can catch him on the NFL channel on Sirius XM. And he's also going to be covering the American or the Alliance of American Football. You can follow him on Twitter at HBalzer721. Howard, how are you? Hey. I'm doing uh, Hey guys, I'm I'm doing I'm doing great and just wanted to throw out that uh, Alliance website where you can read some of the stories that uh, I've been writing. It's very simple. AAF 
com and get all all the information you want on the league, all the teams, the schedules, and all that good stuff. And that season gets underway this weekend, correct? I think they have games on Saturday and Sunday. On Saturday, yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, no, no respite from football. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they're counting on. We're not complaining about that either. I, I mean, exactly. I mean, I'm exactly. sure. I'm sure you're going to agree with us on this, Howard. I think there's a real appetite for spring football, and I think that I mean, if everybody starts comparing this to the NFL, I, I think they're going to be, you know, obviously in for a rude awakening. But it's still going to be professional football. I, I still think it's going to be exciting. No, I, I agree. And here, here's the thing about it: there obviously is an appetite for football. They're not expecting to get, you know, the millions and millions of people that watch the NFL to watch it. But if you just get a nice percentage of it, of people like to watch football, then that's, you know, that's what they're hoping for. And I'll tell you, before going to Atlanta, I was in San Antonio for two weeks uh, at their training camps. They had all eight teams in San Antonio at different places around town practicing. I got out and saw Mike Martz who's coaching San Diego and saw several of the teams. And then they had two days of preseason games uh, right before camp broke. And, and I'll tell you, when they, and those games, if you didn't know who the players were or weren't, you, you would just say, hey, this is good football. It's pretty good. And granted, you know, a lot of the names are going to be uh, unrecognizable, but there'll be a lot of names that, that fans have seen uh, in the NFL, play in the NFL, and others that have had tryouts. So as long as it's competitive, I think it's, it's going to be worth people you know, giving a look. And so, you know, like you said, four games this weekend, and all of them are going to be televised. Uh, of course, two on Saturday. One's a regional CBS game, and one one's you know most of the country on CBS, which I'm fairly certain is the game with Mike Martz and the San Diego Fleet. Then Sunday, there's a game on NFL Network. NFL Network, by the way, is going to have two games each weekend, and then uh, Bleacher Report uh, that that's going to be streaming uh, through Turner. Uh, will be will be I think it's one game a week. So. It's it, it, like I said, it's going to be interesting, and it, it, they're looking at it as a developmental league where players uh, either can get back to the NFL, hopefully, or who didn't get a shot in the NFL will will get an opportunity. And like you said, it should be good football because I'll tell you, there's a lot of good coaching that's uh, that's there in this league. For our listeners who haven't had a chance to uh, really kind of check up on the league, are there a lot of big rule changes or differences between the AAF and the NFL? Not a lot, but the ones that are different are significant. One, there will be no kickoffs. Uh, teams will just get the ball at the 25-yard line to start the game. NFL should do that, at, too. <laughs> or after scores. There are no kicked extra points. You have to go for two. And the overtime rule, they, give the, they put the ball on the opponent's 10-yard line, and you have four downs to score. And Ooh. you have to go for two. Like then the that. other team gets the ball for one possession. If it's tied after that, it's a tie. Obviously, it'll be different in the playoffs, or obviously one team will win. Here, I think, is going to be maybe the most interesting rule. No onside kicks. And so if a team wants to try an onside kick in the last five minutes, you can try it at any time. Elsewhere in the game, if, you're, if you score and you're still down by 17 points or more, then you can try what is a fourth and 12 from your own 28-yard line, 4th and 12. So if you make it, you keep the ball. If you don't, the other team gets it. Interesting. And so, yeah, and one of the preseason games, in fact, um, the San Diego team with Mike Martz was trailing by, I think it was 19 points with about six minutes to go. They went down, scored a touchdown, got the two points, 
and then converted the fourth and 12th play. Went down and scored another touchdown with about a minute 30 to go, got the two-point conversion, and all of a sudden it was a three-point game. And every, I think everyone's kind of rooting for him to get it, make it again and see if they could go down the field and, and tie or win. But they came up a yard short, and, and so that, that was pretty much the game. But it was fun to watch it, fun to see, and it'll be interesting to see how many times it really comes into play during, you know, during the regular season, which, by the way, is 10 weeks, 10 games, and then one week of playoffs uh, with four teams in and then a championship game April 27th in Las Vegas. Uh, Howard, I'm looking at uh, Pro Football Focus released a fantasy list today, which piqued my interest. Uh, <laughs> like I need another fantasy football team in my life. Uh, some pretty noticeable, you know, former NFL players on here. You got Trent Richardson, uh, Denard Robertson, Zach Stacy, former Ram, uh, Christian Hackenberg. I thought was an interesting name because he's recently out of work. Yeah, a um, lot of good, you know, or I won't say good, but a lot of former NFL talent uh what do you make of that and uh how do you see them performing during the regular season yeah that's what's going to be interesting you mentioned the quarterbacks and you know hackenberg looked pretty good which you would you would hope he would you know in the in this level because it isn't nfl level but he looked pretty good and he's looking to get noticed and get reps and you know that's one of the things a lot of these some of these guys when they get into an nfl camp if you're down on the roster, you're the third or fourth quarterback, a lot of times you don't get a lot of reps and a lot of opportunity. Well, they're getting it here. And so uh, Aaron Murray, uh, former uh, quarterback with the Chiefs, is in the league. Matt Sims, Phil Sims' son, uh, is in the league. You mentioned uh, Trent Richardson. Uh, another player on San Diego, Gavin Escobar, oh, yeah. who's a tight end, tight end for four, se- four seasons with the, uh, with the Cowboys, is on the San Diego team. So you know, I would think a, a you know a certain number of the you know obviously a certain number of players are going to play very well because that's that's the nature of any of of football on any level and when it's so there could be some you know new new quote stars created or it could be an opportunity for some of these guys that have been in the league weren't in it last year uh, to get back and you know one point is that you know Josh Johnson uh, the quarterback who played at the end of the season for the Redskins. Man, he he's bounced around the NFL for about ten or ten or eleven years and never really got an opportunity to play. And he was supposed to be on the San Diego team, and then the the Redskins had the injury to uh, I think I think it was Colt uh, after Al- Alex yeah. Smith was already hurt. I think yeah, and Colt, then Colt McCoy, McCoy got, hurt. got hurt, and all of a sudden they just needed somebody to play, and they signed Josh Johnson, and he he did a nice job. So sometimes it's just getting that opportunity. That to show show people what you can do can be a big thing. I mean, look at Kurt Warner. I mean, who you know who knows what would have happened had he not made the Rams after being in NFL Europe. So you, you just never know where a guy is going to jump up and get noticed. Now, certainly it's not going to be for a lot of players. You know, there's 52 man rosters, so certainly not a lot of them are are going to you know make it in the NFL or go there. But I would think by the time training camp rolls around, that there's going to be a bunch of guys. From the play this year in the league, they're at least going to get looks in training camp with an NFL team. And then if they don't make it, they'll just go back to their AAF team because they're allowing these guys to you know leave their contracts to go into the NFL. So, oh, and by the way, um, the uh, you know after the Cowboys uh, fired uh, and, and you know Scott Linehan left as offensive coordinator, and they promoted Kellen Moore the quarterback's coast offensive coordinator, and they added John Kitna 
as a quarterback's coach, and he had been the offensive coordinator with with the San Diego team with Mike Martz. Oh, wow. So there's already so there's already a coach uh, that left the AAF before they even play the game. So I think that that's going to be one interesting thing that we don't talk about enough. We always talk about players, but there's going to there's a lot of there's a lot of experienced coaches in the league, like Mike Martz and Mike Singletary and Steve Spurrier and, and guys like that. But there's also a lot of young coaches that haven't been coaches before. You know the receivers coaches under Martz? Oz Hakeem. Oh, no, oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of younger coaches who are getting a chance, and, and some of them are probably going to get perhaps opportunities in the NFL. And maybe most important of all, guys, is officials. I mean, you know, officials are going to get work. Yeah, good training level. Yeah, and something different than a college environment. Yeah. And we we know the NFL is always, you know, looking for, looking to upgrade the officials. So, you know, this can be a real good training ground for a lot of people at different levels. Howard, let's circle back to uh, the Super Bowl. Um, After watching that performance, yes, now Tom Brady has his, his sixth Super Bowl ring. He's got more than any other quarterback. And, but he was not transcended in that game. He was maybe a step above how Peyton Manning was when he won his second Super Bowl and Super Bowl 50 against the Carolina Panthers. He just did enough to win. But in your eyes, is he the greatest of all time, or do you have another quarterback in mind? Well, you know, I, I think that that argument for obviously shows like this and talk shows and, and barroom you know, debates, I think it's impossible. To, you know, most people will say, well, he is the greatest of all time because he has he has been on six championship teams and and certainly that can separate certain guys but hey the reason they won this game was defense and that's you know if they if they had done on offense what they did in this game and the rams and the patriots hadn't done to the rams offense what they did then the patriots would have lost another super bowl so i'm not taking anything away from tom brady but i don't know the championships should be the thing that separates quarterbacks because to me winning is a team is a team aspect it's not individual and so when i look at all the quarterbacks that that i've seen over the years i remember i think it might have been frank cusimano one day asked me on 590 he said who's the best i said i don't know and then, and then i then he then he said well who would you pick and so i, I thought that was a good way of, of, of you know looking at it what quarterback would i pick if i was just starting a team from the guys that i saw and in the position, and I'll tell you, I don't, you know, I, I, I couldn't avoid Brady, but I'll tell you, it would be hard not to pick Dan Marino, yeah, yeah. or or John Elway, or some of the guys that you know, heck, even Drew Brees, you know, for what he's accomplished. And obviously, they don't have the championships of Tom Brady, but in terms of passing the football and playing the position, th- those those other guys, and I didn't, I'm not going to mention them all because there's so, certainly been so many great ones. You know, th- those guys, I think, at least should be. In the conversation, that, that's why I always say mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers. Like Aaron yep. Rodgers, he does not yeah. have the 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 career accomplishments that Tom Brady or or even Peyton Manning has. But if you're talking about someone watching someone play the position of quarterback, I don't know if I've seen anybody better than Aaron Rodgers. No, that's another good example. You know, another excellent example, and that that just shows how many great players uh, there have been. And it, but it is one of my pet peeves when you always hear about any player on a football team when they say, well, he won a championship or he lost a championship as if they do it themselves. I mean, you know, you know, we're talking about the ultimate, the ultimate team sport. Mm -hmm. I mean, what the heck Kurt Warner uh, would have another Super Bowl ring or maybe two. um, If 
or at least at least certainly one with Arizona when you know the Cardinals went down, went ahead of the Steelers with not a lot of time left, and then he he just watched helplessly from the sideline as the defense couldn't stop the Steelers from scoring the winning touchdown. So how, how does that diminish what a quarterback accomplished? That's a good point. When yeah. they would have had a win, the team would have had a win had the defense been able to stop the Steelers in those you know closing minutes of the game. Howard, one of the most interesting aspects, I think, of not only the Super Bowl but the entire playoffs was Todd Gurley's usage and overall just play for the Los Angeles Rams. What do you make of the situation? He says he's not hurt. There's no locker room confrontation or conflicts. He seems pretty happy. What's what's your take on the situation, and uh, how do the Rams address it moving forward? Yeah, and, and they say there's no surgery uh, going to happen, and it's very it's very possible that both were true, that there was a health issue, but he really wasn't injured. I mean, this is a running back, and the thing about Todd Gurley that made him so great is his explosiveness. And, hey, we saw it here when he was a rookie, when the Rams didn't have much on offense and didn't have that great offensive line, but we saw those big plays that he would have so often. And that was a big part of what he did uh, with the Rams this year, not only running the ball, but in the receiving game. And he just didn't look to have that explosiveness after he came back from the injury. And so you have to believe that he just he wasn't, the same Todd Gurley that existed before that injury. And that's reality to, to think that that was, you know, that was the case. And so, and it would be very understandable if that would happen also. And it wasn't a serious injury, but it could be just enough where you didn't play, you, you got out of a rhythm, and now, again, you just don't have that explosiveness. So I would think that a, an offseason of, of rest and getting ready, I mean, heck, you know, they, these players can't even do anything with their teams till the off-season program begins in April. And so I would think after that and, you know, get, you know, getting back to working out and doing all that and strengthening some things should get him to as good as new. And I, I don't, you know, that, that's my take on it. I obviously don't know if there really was something there that they're not saying, but I, I think if there was any true injury issue that he probably would not have been on the field. Uh, but we also saw in that game against New England that uh, C.J. Anderson wasn't wasn't the same back either, yeah. yep. and I th- and so I think you know it could be a certain part of what happened down the stretch is that the Rams were playing better defenses, and heck, we you know we saw it against the Bears uh, in December, albeit it was on the road in cold weather on a Sunday night uh, in Chicago, but that offense didn't that offense did basically nothing in that game also. So that that's what I would chalk it all up to. And, you know, we'll see going down the road, you know, going down the road, what happens. I think what's amazing about this Patriots win is that when you look at the final four teams, the Patriots, the Rams, um, the, the Saints, and the Chiefs, other than the Patriots, the other three teams, you could say throughout the course of the season at one point, that's the best team in football. Like the Saints, yep, they're the best team in football right now, the Chiefs and the Rams. There really was no point throughout the season where you look at the New England Patriots and go, yep, there's a team right there to beat in the NFL. I mean, you have back-to-back losses to the Jaguars and to the Lions. Mm-hmm. I mean, normally Super Bowl wins winning teams don't do that it's it's if you're a new england fan you got very little to bitch about but the one thing that's got to drive you crazy the greatest team ever that went undefeated but lost to the giants couldn't get it done yeah. but a five lost new england team right. it only scores 13 points that's the one that does get it done it's a yeah it is very interesting yeah it's interesting the way it developed but they were they still were i believe they were fourth in the league 
in scoring on offense. So even though they had some issues at receiver and with the passing game all year, and Rob Gronkowski certainly uh, had a lot of injury issues and wasn't himself, they still were able to, to, to put up points. What they weren't able to do for the most part during the season was, and, and this is a lot of times this is true of a Bill Belichick defense, that it gets better and better as the season goes on. But they also gave up a lot of big plays during the regular season. And that didn't happen as mu- that much during the postseason. And they certainly didn't give up uh, many big plays uh, to the Rams. Now, had Jared Goff thrown, you know, thrown that one pass to Brandon Cooks at the back of the end zone just a, a tad earlier, that ends up maybe being a big play and, and changes, you know, changes the game. But the way that defense uh, came after uh, you know, Jared Goff and also got after other quarterbacks in the playoffs was very different than what had happened uh, during the regular season. So this was certainly, at least a, certainly on defense, a much different team than we saw all, you know, all season. Howard, we were having this debate before we brought you on. Uh, our good friend Benjamin Albright has been uh, defending the Twitter masses this week, uh, debating whether Julian Edelman, is he a Hall of Famer or not? Did he say he was or not? He, he is not. He, uh, yeah. he, he Albright, is, a, Albright he is, not. is like, there's no way no in hell. Way. He said no, that, that, no Mike, that Michael Crabtree has better stats than what uh, yeah. Julian Edelman does. He does. You know, Julian Edelman. I mean, that anyone, I, I heard it was Adam Schefter who said it first. Yes, it was. He should be, he, he should be embarrassed <laughs> by saying that. I mean, you know, that, that's, that's like what a knee-jerk fan would say after somebody has a really good game. I guess, and, and, and it's just absurd. I mean, the guy is a very good slot receiver, and that's what he is. And, and, and I, I, I checked something after this whole nonsense began, and because I made a point of this in my presentation for Isaac Bruce uh, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame last Saturday, and I pointed out the one thing we don't look at enough, I don't think, anymore for receivers is average yards per reception. And Isaac's, you know, the tw- there's 12 guys who went in, have gone into the Hall of Fame as wide receivers in this century, and three of them, whose career ended uh, 1993 or before, I believe that was, um, I'm trying to, I don't have it in front of me, but I know one of them was James Lofton. I think one of them might have been John Stallworth. They, they all averaged a little over 16 yards of reception. Well, the game has changed. Hardly anybody averages that much anymore. There might be a handful of guys here and there, the big play, like a Deshaun Jackson, but they don't have a lot of catches. You know, guys who total a lot of catches many times don't have a high average per reception. Of the other nine guys that have gone into the Hall of Fame, Isaac is third in average per reception. The only two with more are in the 15s are Randy Moss and Michael Irvin, and they were in the high 15s. Isaac is at 14.9, which is higher than Jerry Rice and Terrell Owens, 14.8, and there's nobody else in the 14s. Several others are in the 13s, including Marvin Harrison, and Chris Carter is 12.6. So there's a roundabout way of getting to Julian Edelman, whose average yards per reception is a little over 10. Mm. That's the definition of a slot receiver. receiver. Yes, it was like that. Pretty much, it was like that year. What was the year when? I think it was the year that the Rams and when uh, Sam Bradford in his rookie year, when they almost you know won the division. When, when they were playing Seattle in the last game of the regular season, yeah, was that the was I think was that the year that Danny Amendola had 
something like 90 catches or yes. something. Yeah. I think. Yep. And he, he averaged about nine yards per reception. That's a slot receiver. That is not a Hall of Fame receiver. And that anyone would think that with all the guys that we're having coming through here, you know, Isaac Bruce been a finalist. Uh, Heinz Ward has not been a finalist, but he's been eligible. He's been a semifinalist. Tory Holt, who's been a semifinalist five years. And, and next year, we're going to have Reggie Wayne. The year after that, um, Calvin Johnson. The year after that, Steve Smith. And, um, uh, gosh, who was it? Uh, had, uh, Andre Johnson. Mm. And so all these received, Larry Fitzgerald, when he retires. All these guys are number one or number two receivers. Julian Edelman is not, and he is not a Pro Football Hall of Famer. It's, it's unbelievable that anybody would actually think that he would he could compete with the, some of those other guys for that honor. Howard, uh, final question for the night, and thanks again for joining us. This is Howard Balzer. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at hbalzer721. You can catch him on the Hall of Fame show on the NFL channel on SiriusXM, and you can read him at aaf.com for the Alliance on American Alliance of American Football. Uh, I, I asked you this this question on Monday when uh, when I was on the show with Charlie Tuna, and I'm going to ask it again here because it's going to be a new audience. But you know, you're you're a journalist journal uh, journalist. You know, you, you try to keep everything compartmentalized. But how was it experiencing? The Super Bowl, seeing you know Kevin Demoff and, and Stan Kroenke and, and the Rams down there, considering how they left this area wasn't exactly on great terms, and they lied to a lot of people in the media, including yourself. How was it seeing them back down at the pinnacle of success down in Atlanta again? Well, fortunately, I didn't see them. Uh, I saw Kevin Demoff once from a distance in the radio row uh, section of the media center, and I made sure to avoid him. And because I, I felt I felt the way my son felt when he texted me after the Rams beat the Saints, and when they handed that trophy to Stan Kroenke, he said that made my skin crawl. And 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 that's you know I, I know I'm maybe I'm supposed to be objective, but I am a St. Louisan for more than four decades, and I cannot I will never never accept and the way not not only that they lied and had to be deceitful in what they did. But they also trashed the city yeah. on the way out the door. That's the and thing that makes me the most angry, too. Exactly. And, and, you know, and here's St. Louis with TV ratings for the NFL and for these championship games that are just as, are, are high, just as high or higher than the ratings in Los Angeles for the Rams. Now, granted, it's not as, it doesn't represent as many people, but it's the percentage of people that are watching. And to sit there and say that St. Louis – could not afford, could not, um, you know, could not support an NFL team. I mean, that that that's 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 just it's. Abs- I can't even think of the right word to describe <laughs> how absurd that is to say that. But they had to, you know, make a case for moving, and 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 plus, and here here's even the worst thing, is a guy named Alan Bornstein who is Crocky's attorney, and he's a true St. Louisan and lives here, and he's the one who wrote that thing up. You know, how, how, how do you even do that in the city you live in? I, I, I know you're, you're getting paid by the guy, but all, all that stuff just, I just think, I understand why it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And so not to have them get the Super Bowl trophy was fine with me. Howard, we appreciate your time, sir. And uh, we look forward to getting your thoughts on the America or the Alliance of American Football. All right, guys. Take care. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Thanks H. This is Vinny Bonsignor with The Athletic Los Angeles, and you're listening to The Last Man Up Podcast.
You've been listening to the Last Man Up podcast. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Last Man Up Pod. You can follow me at Matt underscore Burger. Follow Clay at Ton of Clayton. And you can follow Andy at Emo6. There's been a lot of news about how there's going to be some changes possibly coming mm. to Major League Baseball, one that will affect both leagues, one that will only affect the National League. Right. Uh, the one that will affect both leagues is that if you're going to have a relief pitcher, that relief pitcher has to see a minimum of three batters. So dumb. Uh, I don't get it either, <laughs> but it's going to put a lot of people like uh, – Darren Oliver, Ray King. Yes. Uh, a lot of left-handed specialists. A lot of left-handed specialists. are not going to be working. Look, it's, that's not going to speed the game up. If no. you're at that point, if you're that, and like usually when you start doing that, you're pretty much Is that the point of it? Is to speed the game up? Is to speed yeah. the game up. If well, and, the, and on the flip side of that, so you have that, and then the biggest one is the DH. So yeah, at the I'll same time, like, a it's counter. But I mean, like, if, okay, by the time you're getting to the night of a thousand relievers, which is what Jeff Gordon called whenever Tony Larusa would do that, right? You're pretty much already invested into the outcome of that game, right? Pretty I, much. I yeah. So that that one doesn't make any sense. Now, the DH in the National League, I honestly I have gone back and forth on. I, it's one of those things where I understand both. I understand and I get both sides. Mm-hmm. The people who are vehemently against it. I understand it. I understand your arguments, and I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it is a more pure form of baseball. There's more strategy involved with right. it. Uh, you know, and, and they, baseball, for the most part, is a very conservative game. It's very slow to change. Look how long it took for them to finally get, uh, you know, instant replay right. and, and stuff like that. You have yep. to drag right. baseball sometimes into modern times. Right. But I also understand that. The, the advantages of having the DH in the National League because we we signed or we traded for a player, uh, you know, this offseason and Paul Goldschmidt, who's, who's 31, right. so he's got some playing years left in yep. him. Yep. But let's say by the time he's 35, let's say that he's still a pretty good player, but he'd be a much effective hitter if he wasn't having to go out into the field every single time. Yep. So you would have the potential of losing a good player to a position that you don't have because of the league that you play in. Right. And think about this. Let's say let, – let's go back 10 years. Let's say you still have the – let's say you have the DH in the National League and you you had it in 2009. Mm-hmm. Do you think possibly that Albert Pujols is maybe oh, yeah. still a cardinal? I was just going to say, I mean, had we not had the DH, we would have been robbed of the last, you know, five years, five, six years of – Albert Pujols just as a baseball player because if he had played first every single day for his entire career, he wouldn't have still been playing today. And honestly, I'm surprised that the MLBPA hasn't pushed for this sooner because you have 15 uh, teams in Major League Baseball that don't have a position that's in the other 15. And that's a pretty big one too. So that's like 15 jobs. If you look at starting DHs, those are 15, you know, high-paid jobs that one league doesn't have. Right. So I'm a little surprised the MLBPA has to push for this sooner. Yeah, it, Derek Gould had a really good piece in the Post this past today about how the DH is coming. It, it's just a matter of time. And I think, I mean, as I've grown up, every level of baseball, whether it be, you know, junior-level leagues, high school, it's all DH. Like, the I, MLB is literally the only one that doesn't have it across the board. My, my senior year in baseball, I, I DH'd a few games. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's at every other level. Kids are taught to be both hitters and pitchers now. So it's just, you know, they're just players. You know, it's it's really just a position change, really. It's not huge, huge it, it, I mean, deal if it, to if me it, as, it, as it is to other people, I guess I should say. If it happens, 
I'll be kind of like, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm going to be kind of sad that yep. it's gone away. And then, you know, there's something beautiful about the double switch, stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I get where people are coming from, but mm. it will be nice to have Jose Martinez in the <laughs> starting lineup and not have to work. I mean, and, and that could be part of the reason why the, maybe the Cardinals are holding on to Jose Martinez because maybe they're thinking that – like to, for the DH rule, I, it's not one of those things where it's got to you know pass through Congress right. and get ruled on right. by the Supreme Court. I mean, they, if they want to probably start it this season, they probably could. Yeah, saying okay, starting this season, there's going to be a, a designated hitter in the National League. You're just going to find one. I think at the earliest, if it does happen, would probably be next year. Probably I just don't see them. And you sem- you summed it up best. Like everything just moves so slow with Major League Baseball. I think if it does, if the changes do get instituted. That slow is just going to continue. Like it's going to happen eventually, and I don't even know if all the changes get rolled out simultaneously. You know, if yeah, they you lower, throw too much right. change at once. If you lower the pitcher's mount and add the DH, you know, do you get a good read on you know whether baseball's actually changed? No, because there's two different variables. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting time in baseball. The the dynamic is changing, and um, we're here for it. Still surprised that Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are not signed. <laughs> Um, I'm hearing that Manny Machado may just sign a one-year deal with the team and then try to – because he really wants to go to the Yankees. Yeah. So he may just sign a one-year deal and then try to join the Yankees the following year because apparently something frees up – the I forgot what it was. Something frees up with the Yankees the following year, mm. and they'll actually have a spot for him at either short or third base. So that that's part of his planning on that. Um, Which, I, if I'm the Cardinals, I say, okay. I'll take it for a year. I don't care. Yeah, you know where I stand on that one. Too. Yeah. It's right up there. With, with I mean, him and Harper, because Harper, it came out today that he may be looking for more like a two to three year deal as well. I saw it today. I can't remember who tweeted it out. I'm wondering how much of the C, like the the impending CBA, has an effect on oh, on huge. this. And too. That, that's huge. what I was going to bring up too on all of this. It's has yeah. got to be it. It's yeah. got to just be bad timing. Oh yeah, like at the, C, at the CBA was signed last year or two years ago, uh, 2017. Yeah. 20, 2017 is when it was extended, yep, and, it, uh, and it's coming up in 2021. Yeah, December 1st, 2021 is when it expires. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, you're not going to want to sign somebody to a five-year deal, or 10-year t- deal, rather, right. and then the CBA have, you know, they change the CBA somehow, some way, and that big, huge deal you have is suddenly an albatross hanging all over your team. Right. Or a strike, and you just, you know, are you know, out of work. Or completely. that, too. It's funny. Are these guys costing themselves money by signing these long contracts? If Harvard, you know, signs somewhere for two to three years... And kills it. I mean, is he worth more? Two, three years. Two, well, three see, years I mean, from now. Like, I don't think so. I don't think he is either. Like, no. I mean, baseball is weird because it's an individual sport. It's a team sport. It's an individual sport masquerading as a team sport. Right. So it doesn't have like one player. It doesn't have nearly that big of an impact than as it would like another sports like like the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like LeBron going like. As soon as LeBron is a member of your team, you start seeing cranes go up downtown, literally. like That happened in Cleveland. Right. LeBron went back to Cleveland, and the downtown area started booming because yeah. people knew that they had 40 games where everybody from around the country was going, or even around the world, was going to be going to downtown Cleveland right. to watch an all-time great play. Yeah, You don't really have that as much with baseball. No. So... I, I, but I would sign these guys to long-term contracts because they're both young. They're both like 26. Mm-hmm. And if you're scared about the number of years, then just put opt-outs in there. Yeah. And if the guy's playing well, then there's no reason for you to opt out. There's no reason for him to opt out unless he just absolutely hates where he's playing. Right. Well, it, 
I mean, it's it's a little tricky because, I mean, one, the only risk when you're signing, I mean, the big risk when you're signing a long-term deal is, yes, guys just age, they wear and tear, they get hurt. Statistically, it's proven as guys get older, they play worse, right? But when you add the opt-out things in there, it becomes less appealing for a player. They want the guaranteed money, right? They don't want the team option to cut or whatever. So, in essence, it only doesn't even make sense to have a long-term deal with so many options. Well, you're almost at this point, if you're a Machado or Harper and you want that money, you, you almost have no choice to, oh, yeah. to, to take the deal with the... Yeah. Like, if you're signing a 10-year deal and an opt-out at 5 and 7, you, oh, mean, yeah. you almost have no choice. I mean, at this state, in professional sports... No team is above. I mean, no one player is above a team. I mean, that's like at the end of the day, if the if the team does not want to spend the money, they're fully capable and fully prepared to go into a season and play it because they're still going to make money. Final thought. Uh, speaking of LeBron, I was watching uh, the NBA on TNT last night, and they showed oh, this clip. Sure. And they showed this clip oh, of of, uh, of the Pacers and the Lakers. The Lakers were playing in Indiana. And uh, there's a trade, or a proposed trade, where the Lakers are going to be trading like their entire team to New Orleans for Anthony Davis. Yeah. Brandon Ingram's at the free throw line, and the Indiana crowd is chanting, "LeBron will trade you," and then like, "Bump, bump, 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 LeBron will trade you," bump, 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 bump. And I was laughing hysterically because that's not something that you would expect from an Indiana crowd. No. No. And number two, it is funny. Like to come up with that oh, yeah. at in the first quarter, they were they were doing they were that ready. trade. They LeBron, were ready. LeBron will trade you. And now you know that as long as those guys are on that team the rest of the year, they are going to hear that on the road every time they're on the stripe. They're gonna hear LeBron will trade you Shit, or they not might hear it at home. Or not worth <laughs> or not worth trading. Okay, that's funny, you bring that up. There was a there was a journalist to give you like to, to keep, like like dump on LA. Right. But there was a, a, a LA TV reporter and he had some poll, and not exactly a scientific one because it was on Twitter. But it was a poll about like which would you rather have the Lakers trade for AD or the Rams win the Super Bowl and overwhelming it was the Lakers trade for Anthony Davis. Oh, yeah. That I, is crazy. That's not surprising to me at all. That is crazy. I mean, like, I would rather the Blues. I mean, I'm not even that big of a Blues fan. I would rather see the Blues win the Stanley Cup yeah. than have the Cardinals sign Manny Machado, and I mean that sincerely. Oh, I'd love that for the city. I would too. Like, Cardinals, would, Cardinals are going to get another one. Like, it's just going to happen at some point. Because exactly. They have a history of winning, but it's like the Blues. Man, that first one would just be delicious. I think by the people that I care about that are diehard Blues fans yeah. that would be overjoyed to see something like yeah. that to be be worth sacrificing Manny Machado out there on Bush Stadium, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Special thanks to Howard Balzer for joining us. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at hbalzer721. So for Clay Byers over and for Andy Hanselman, this has been Matt Berger. You're listening to the Last Man Up podcast, and we will see you on the other side.